0: Got a story, I've got a story, we've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another exciting episode of ABT's Beyond the Bank. Today, in the second part of my special two part sit down with Doherty County Sheriff Kevin Sproul, we'll be discussing his decision to run for office, some of the amazing things he's witnessed while being on the job, and his deep and abiding love for the Albany community he serves. For those of us, those who are listening who don't understand, talk to us a little bit about the responsibilities of the sheriff in Doherty County.
1: When the state of Georgia, the sheriff is to maintain peace, protect life, protect property, and provide services to the community that would aid the community and be in being a safer community. And that could be from character education programs to Uh, going into a church and telling the folks at a church how to keep your church safe, you know, from people robbing them or breaking into your church, uh, things along those lines. We also work criminal warrants. We work courts. We serve all civil papers or pretty much all civil papers. Uh, That could be child support papers. It could be uh, warrants. I mean, subpoenas. It could be uh, uh, litigation papers, lawsuits going through. Uh, We transport prisoners all over the state of Georgia. We take them to mental health places or uh, doctors' offices, dentist's office, things like that. Uh, We monitor and register registered sex offenders in our state. Uh, We have to monitor the recycling, the metal recycling companies in our county. Oversee the bonding companies, uh, making sure that they're complying with state law that. Bonding companies have to comply with. Gotcha. We, one thing, Darty County Sheriff's Office does not do so far is run traffic or run radar. We're in the process of having that come to gotcha. fruition, but right now we're not doing that. Uh, and that that that's a lot of what we do. Uh, you know, the sheriff and the county chairperson are the two that can call the uh, National Guard in if it has to be called in from the governor. So. Right. Uh, there's a lot of responsibilities i have to provide protection for all my judges whichever courtroom whatever court probate magistrate you. state uh superior court i have to provide deputies or provide service for them I'm with you so there's quite a bit that goes on in the sheriff's office
0: well I knew it was a, it ran it was a wide range of of things that you do um and i'm not sure a lot of folks in the community really had a good grasp of all the things that you touch but the thing that i'm even more interested in Sheriff, just because it's something that I've noticed. You know, I'm a resident of Doherty County. I lived here. I remember Sheriff Sabah. He was my best friend growing up. His Jamil and his dad were buddies. And, yeah. you know, you kind of pay attention, but you don't really know until you're an adult and you're kind of living in it. Well, one thing that's been pretty clear to me during your tenure is the piece you talked about any activity in your community that's going to make your community safer, that's going to make people better. I look at that, and then I think about conversations you and I have had in the past about the responsibilities that the jail has, that the jailer has. You made reference about seeing things in the jail you didn't like, being interested in how people get from good house, good life, to ending up in jail. And I and I love that you were about rehabilitation. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about that passion you have for preventing this community, the people in this community from ever getting to the point where they've got to deal with your office in that regard?
1: It, yes, I worked in the jail from 82, 1982 to 1986. I came out of the jail, was assigned to work courts and civil and warrant division. Through serving criminal warrants and working the courts, I watched man after man, woman after woman that I knew in this community just destroy their lives with poor choices. And I thought, there's got to be a better way. When I get in in the morning at six o'clock and I go through my warrants from the previous night that came down from the courts and I see the same people, I'm thinking, this is not going to work. This is a revolving door. Uh, Why are these people so stuck in in the mud, so to speak? Why can't they get out? Why can't they get traction and, and improve their lives? So, uh, I, I Like I said, I'd already started back to college in 1992, but in 1991, I went to Sheriff Saban and said, Sheriff, uh, I know Deputy Dog, Frank Sumner's been working here a long time, and he has inspired a lot of kids. But I said, I started teaching Sunday school this year to high school kids, and these are kids from good schools, good homes coming into my Sunday school class. And they're telling me about street gangs or telling me about drugs or telling me about the occult. They're telling me about all these different issues they're facing, bullying and things on their campuses. I really feel led to want to visit them in their schools. I think it would be important if they saw me that I cared to come out there. And he looked at me and said, well, he said, you go get with all your major and you tell them you met with me. And if you can get all your papers served on Monday through Thursday. I'll let you go on Fridays. So okay. I said, here we go. I go to every high school in Darty County, every middle school in Darty County, and one middle school welcomed me on their campus. All the other high schools and the middle school says, I don't know where these kids are coming up with these stories to you. These issues aren't going on our campuses. Now this was in 1991. So Michael Manning And John I. Davis was at Mary Acres Middle School, Mm -hmm. and they called me and said, you came by and visited us last week. We'd like you to come back by. Yep. So I did. And John I. Davis, he was so proud of it. He took me to every classroom, told them I was coming by to visit every Friday. And I'm thinking, I can't come here every Friday. Why are you telling these kids this? So they took ownership of me and said I was their officer. And so that's how it got started. And the word started getting around to other schools. And then I got invited to other schools in 1993. I went up the road to Forsyth to uh Gypstick, Georgia police training safety center up there and went through a week, went through a two week training of how to be a uh, school resource officer. I was the first in Albany to go through that. I got that certification, came home, the flood of 94 Four hit. hit. And when that 500-year flood hit us in 94, it, I'd already been scheduled to go to FLETC over in Glenn County, Federal Law Enforcement Training Center, to learn the great program, okay. gang resistance education training. Well, the flood hits, and on that Thursday morning, July the 7th, Sheriff Sable called me and said, I need you to go to the Georgia Power Dam at River Bend, Mitchell County line, and find somebody who can tell me what the level of the water is in the river. And then you call me. Well, we didn't have cell phones back then. Well, I think we may have just gotten bag phones in our cars. I know I'm dating myself. So I go down there and I find this gentleman. He, find we get around to the point where they tell me what the water level is. And they tell me within 12 hours with the amount of rain that's dropping from Tropical Storm Alberta, it could be this high. So I called Sheriff, got a hold of him. He said, here's what I need you to do. You go up to Oglethorpe. Uh you start down Radium Springs Road, and you go as far as you can all day today, and you tell people that the worst flood they've ever seen is coming, and you better get out. You can't make them leave. They're not mandated to leave, but just please tell them, encourage them. So I started Albany State Campus. I get down to Radium Springs, get going down further, and, you know, it's getting pretty late in the day, and I finally called back to the office around 530 or 6 o'clock. It was still light out. And I said, do you want me to keep doing this? And he said, oh, you're still over there doing this. And I said, yes. (laughs) He says, well, I'll tell you what, you just stay over there and uh, I'm going to send you some help and y'all just keep working that. So to say this, uh, 11 days and 10 nights, I was in East Albany in Putney or Radium Springs staying in people's homes that allowed me to stay in their homes. Uh, so we could evacuate everybody and help as many people as we can get out. So with all that said, when I came back across the river, uh, it was getting close to my dates in August to go to the training. And I went into the office. I said, Sheriff, I don't know if this is a good time to ask you or not, but you, you promised me I could go to the great training. And he said, sure, you can go. So I went over there and received two weeks of training. And in that fall of that year. the January of 95 I started teaching the great program at four of our middle schools four days a week for several years taught over 16,000 kids the great program and the champs program
0: I bet that felt good it did to be in there with the with the youngsters and
1: get them before it did I was working with fifth sixth and seventh graders and those kids are hard to work with but if Here's a saying I learned long time ago. Kids don't care what you know till they know you care for them. And when, when they knew I was genuine, because here I was also working at McDonald's at the mall on Friday and Saturday nights, part-time work. And I would tell the kids during the week, if you come see me at McDonald's, I'll buy you dinner. They said, you'll buy us a shake? I said, no, I'll buy whatever you want. And I didn't know how I was going to do it. I didn't know how I was going to pull it off. But... There was times we would have 30 or 40 kids in McDonald's at the mall. Parking lot would be packed. <laughs> and the, and, it was, and let me go a little further. The assistant manager at the time, I didn't know this at the time, but he couldn't stand what I was doing. He said, he's filling my parking lot up. They're not buying any food. They're taking our seats. I don't know what that man thinks he's doing out there with all them kids. But now the manager, he liked me. He said, Sure. So I'd work there on Friday and Saturday nights, buy them fries, buy them shakes, whatever. And then in 2008, when I stepped out to run for sheriff, this assistant manager called me at my headquarters and said, I need to meet with you. And I couldn't remember who he was. And I went and met him at his house over behind Coates and Clark's Threadmill. And I recognized him. And I said, what do you want to meet with me for? He said, I want to help you put signs out. I want to help you get elected. And he said, let me tell you a story. I didn't like what you did back in the day, but I see why you did it now. And he said, you got an awesome ministry, what you're doing with those kids. My wife and I opened our home up. We've had 17, 18, or 19 kids from the projects or from good homes that needed a refuge, needed a place to stay, needed to get away from the street gangs or away from the drug dealers. Mm -hmm. So I don't recommend that to everybody. I prayed about it went to my wife and told her, said, uh, babe, I think the Lord wants me to bring some kids over here and help them out. We started doing that. I asked Sheriff Saba if he was okay with it. He said, that's on you. If you're okay with it, yeah. you're going to feed them. You're going to clothe them. You're going to whatever. And I said, whatever.
0: Somebody's got to do it. Right. Sheriff?
1: So through all that, uh, and teaching these kids, I feel like that I made a direct impact in the community. It's hard to measure Preventative type work. You deal in numbers. Mm-hmm. Banks deal in numbers. You've got to see your assets. You've got to see everything you have lined up. What's coming in? What's going out? You know, you can't do it for free, or you can't give you money away. And when you go in front of county commissions, because Sheriff Sable started letting me in 1999 go in front of the county commissioners every year to ask for a vehicle, to ask for a laptop computer or to ask for money to buy books to teach the program out of. And most of their questions were, what's our return? Yep. Where's our numbers? How many kids are you saving? I, I can't tell you that, sir, ma'am. All I can tell you is it's working. And uh, now we continue to carry that tradition on. I've got two men who work in our programs now. And uh, Chief Mike Persley and the Albany Police Department is collaborating with us in our cadet program. And he's provided two officers. So we have four people now working collaboratively together with a city municipality and a county sheriff's office and making it work for the betterment of our community.
0: That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. I think so. Now I want to touch on this, how, you know, that's that kind of thing's always important, Sheriff. You know, I think it's lost on a lot of people sometimes that we get into the, uh, to the us and them and we look at government law enforcement, public service as a, as a them and and not a a we type of thing. Never to me has it seemed more important for that togetherness to be seen and to be felt throughout the community than it is right now, considering what's going on, not just in our own backyard, but across the nation, across the world in the past couple of years. Talk to me a little bit about why it's so important for you to have that unity in the community.
1: And you are absolutely correct. Uh, Michael Persley is a Darty High graduate, lived in Albany, Georgia. Kenny Johnson, DCP, is a Darty High graduate, lived in Albany, Georgia. And I graduated Albany High. Brad McEwen or anybody else does not care who apprehends the burglar who breaks into his home. They just want that person apprehended. They don't care who's on TV and who gets the recognition. And that's the mindset of the three of us that work together. Now, philosophically, we may have some differences from time to time, or our men and women who work underneath us may have, they may butt heads over something over a case. But when it comes down to it, our three main agencies here in this community care about this community, and we have to stick together. Uh, You you see what we're fighting every day on the forefront. I mean, it's, it's almost every day we have a shooting or we have something to go on in this community, and we have to work together. Uh, We're looking at trying to uh, consolidate our gang task force unit and our drug unit right now, our vice crimes unit. We're looking at trying to put them all under one umbrella, under one roof, so they can have a more cohesive working environment and work together. And we're working very well with the uh, Southwest Georgia GBI task force since they've come in here. They've helped us with many cases, uh, just that drugs that could be coming into Albany, Georgia. So it's very important, it's very imperative that we have that unity uh, that there's a big lack of trust factor when it comes to most communities and their law enforcement. You know, you look back at the incident up in uh, Missouri, you know, that took place several years ago and uh, you looked at the, to me, I understand the importance of white and black representation in law enforcement, but when I first saw that department, you know, where the young man was killed and they had like 75 or 80% of their staffing was white and they lived in a community that was 90% black. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I see where there was a a mistrust there or perceived mistrust because of, you know, when you walk into a uh, courthouse or walk into a city or county government building, most people want to kind of see somebody that they can relate to. They look like them. Makes sense. Uh, Kids... do the same thing, maybe not to the extreme that we do as adults, but we I understand that. So we try to work together to build that trust in our community. When we had the a uh, uh, few couple years ago, we had to go out off slappy may have been two years ago now when we had the Minneapolis situation mm-hmm. and they wanted to uh, protest. We met with the protest person that headed it up. APD got with us. We got with them. We worked the perimeter for security to make sure no one interfered with them, and also to make sure they kept it uh, uh, safe while they were protesting. Uh, there were several of us that wanted to get out there and protest with them, but we sure. couldn't, you know. Uh, but that's what we're about. If you, if you can't publicly express yourself, then where's our freedom as an American, yep. you know? And 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 it's hard when when we look at the shootings and the chokings and the things that go on, our training division looks at everything and we look at how we train people. Uh, we haven't chokeholds hadn't been legal in Georgia in years. And for, for many Minnesota to still have that is just beyond us. But you know, sure. I, I'm not trying to uh, judge them. It's just, it, it comes back to training. Sure. And uh, we want to build the trust with our folks. Well,
0: you know, I have to admit, you know, it was pretty not, It was pretty cool for, for me as a resident in Albany when all this unrest was going on in other parts of the country. It didn't feel quite that way here. It felt like, hey, we know our police officers. We know our deputies. We, we know the folks who were protected and serving.
1: It's funny you mentioned that. I was coming down Clark Avenue, and I turned off a of merit and came through the neighborhood right after that situation happened, and I recognized a family that we had given turkeys to at Thanksgiving Cause that's one of my things I, we do every Thanksgiving. And there was three young men sitting on the porch. So I pulled my pickup truck in their yard and I got out and I walked up and I said, Hey guys, how y'all doing? And they said, we're doing great. I said, I'm struggling. And they looked at me and said, you struggling. I said, I'm having a hard time with what happened in Minneapolis over last week. They said, well, you ain't got to worry about that happening here. And I, I looked at him, I said, what did you say? And he said, Oh you ain't got to worry about that happening here. We know all the cops in this town. We know all y'all's families. Everybody knows here. You know, we're small enough still that people know each other. Yep. And most of our folks who work locally live here locally. Now we have a few that commute from border counties, but a good number of our people still live in Darty County. They raise their families here. Yeah. And it it meant a lot to me to hear these young men talk like this that they really knew They said, we know all the firemen, we know the medics, we know everybody here, you know, and, and and you're right. Uh, when it's chaos going all over the country and all around us, uh, and, and my son lives a few miles away from the uh, CNN place up there in Atlanta where that took place. Mm -hmm. Uh, and just the opposite way from him is where the young man was shot in the Wendy's parking lot. So, you know, he was caught right in the crossfire of it. And, uh, but I will say this, uh, I pretty much saw this coming years ago, and let me tell you why I said this. I went and became a great certified training officer to go around the country and train men and women who are police officers to come off the street and go into the classroom. I've been, been to Baltimore, been to Orlando, been to San Diego, been to Portland, been to uh, uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin, but, but stayed in Minneapolis, so been all over the country, Boston, Massachusetts. And it was odd for a for a homegrown Southern boy to get on a plane and go to these other parts of the country and knowing the work we were doing in Darty County to get to these other cities. And when you talk to these men and women, they had no community policing. They were not doing anything. This was the first time, and we're talking about from 2001 up to 2007 in those years, I remember when I flew into Portland and Seattle, we had to go through a program with the federal government, and they told us that we were not law enforcement officers. Do not show your badge or your gun or anything when you're there. They hate the police in those communities. You go in as educators. So we go to train, and that's when we're in a hotel or when we're visiting the cities. If someone says, hey, what do you do? You know, what are you doing up here in Portland? We're up here teaching. We're at a big conference for educators. And it, it was unbelievable how back in 04 and 05, we were being told this. And now look today where you see a lot of this unrest. Yeah. Most of it's coming from these cities up north that I hate to say it, but I don't think there was a lot of involvement in working with the community and building trust with the community.
0: Doesn't sound like
1: it. And we've done that here in Darty County. Now that's not to say we couldn't have something go sure. sideways, but um, there's always work to
0: be done. Yes. It can always be better.
1: That's correct.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it's that's so refreshing to hear you talk about that and to just to know that I'm not, you know, crazy looking, looking through my lens and seeing that cause it just feels different in Albany, you know, in Doherty County, it just feels connected. And, and it's easy to point to examples of where our sheriff and our police chief and our fire chief and our County police captain, you know, have all, all doing these other things in the community other than carrying a gun. And,
1: and you know, Brad, I think, The 94 flood, the 97 tornado, the 98 flood, uh, the 16 and 17 storms that we had that came Mm -hmm. through, it prepared us for this pandemic better than a lot of people could ever imagine. And it's prepared us for the unrest that we're seeing today in our country. We have worked so close together for so many years. Uh, You know, yes, the sheriff and the police chief may have not always agreed on something or but they don't let that affect the way their departments run because as, at the end of the day, we're out there for one main thing. and that's to keep our community as safe as possible. I love it. Well, now
0: Sheriff, I'm going to get you out of here on this, but okay. it, it's a two way street. So talk to me a little bit about what the community can do to support some of the efforts that our law enforcement is making to be more connected in the community, things the average citizen can do just to help improve the the safety and the connectedness and the togetherness of their own neighborhood?
1: That's that's There's a lot in that. Uh, what I see a lot of is apathy. People that don't care. And, and, and I'm not saying everybody. I'm just saying I see a lot of it. I see folks that throw stuff in the back of the pickup trucks and then the paper flies out on the bypass. And I know that doesn't seem like a big deal, but when it all adds up, Mm-hmm. I see folks who put a firearm in their car and they drive up in their carport and they don't lock the car because if the bad guy's going to get the gun, he's going to break in, break my glass, and my deductible is going to cost too much for me to get it fixed. That kind of mindset. Or they'll have a safe in their house with the firearms are supposed to be in the safe and they don't keep them in the safe. Or it's in the safe, but the safe's not locked. And they keep the ammo in the safe with the guns, things like that, or people see something that goes on, but they won't commit to make that phone call to call somebody. Now, flip it over the other side. We have a lot of citizens in our community. We have awesome neighborhood watch programs in our community that the Darty County Police and the Albany Police oversee. They have captains that watch over those neighborhoods. That has been a, a godsend for Darty County. I believe, over the years. Uh, We have a lot of good neighborhoods, but we're a transient community. As elderly people die and they leave their homes to their children, their children rent their homes out or they they don't care about their homes anymore. They move. We see people moving in uh, low rent areas and not that that's always where crime, but when you look at data over a, a several year period, you'll see that if there's, renters or rental property, the neighborhoods don't hold the value and don't hold the nuclear, the families there that, that care about their communities. And so we see a lot of that going on. So with all that said, if we'll, if we'll spend more time, first of all, with our children and listen to our kids. Don't think little Susan or little Johnny, just because they're making straight A's in school and they're going to church with you and things like that. Don't think that the opportunity is not out there. There's always that opportunity and all it takes is one poor choice. So invest into your children's life, spend as much quality time as you can with them. If they want to dance, if they want to be a gymnast sports band art, whatever, please invest time into your children. Uh, Make that a priority. Uh, I can't stress it enough how many kids over the years that I've worked with that I was their dad. They never had a father. Uh, So spend time there. Uh, Get involved in a neighborhood watch program. I know the police department's getting ready to uh, start back up their uh, community policing program where they have people come in and go through the police department and learn about the different facets of the police department. Get involved there. Serve on jury duty. This is a pet peeve of mine. (laughs) I'm in my 13th year as sheriff. In 2009, about 30 to 35 to 38% of our jurors would show up for jury duty. Last week, it was down to 15%. Wow. We've had times where to bump up to 25%. And I get it. You get paid $25 a day. Most people are scrounging around, you know, grinding their fingernails trying to make that dollar. And then they get the slip in the mail that tells them to come up to the jury assembly room to spend a week with one of the judges. And the most you're going to get is $125. And they can't go without that money. So they don't show up or some people just disregard it and don't even answer to it. If you're not, If you're not an elected official in your community, you're not working on jury duties, you're not going out and vote, what do you have to offer your community? Why do you want your community to be safe? I mean, you got to invest something to get something. Amen. Right. And so uh, with all that said, just just be actively involved in your community. I've been all over this country. And when that plane left Atlanta to come back to Albany, I was so glad to touch down at the Albany airport. (laughs) Man, I thought we have a five minute traffic jam at Christmas time. And I just came from Houston, Texas and sat on I-10 for four hours or yeah. Los Angeles, California, you know, and or Atlanta, Georgia. So uh, but get involved in your community. Be actively involved with your neighborhood watch program. Uh come come to the uh gang task force meetings, and I'm not sure if they've started back yet since COVID hit, but uh know your city and county commission. Know who you voted for. I hear people tell me all the time, I only vote for the president. I don't care about the other offices. I may vote for the senator. I may vote for the congressperson. But these local elections don't mean anything. Okay. If the local elections don't mean anything, why are these communities across the country trying to defund the police? Yep. Who put those people into office? That's right. So get involved. Vote for your school board members and hold them accountable. Hold them accountable. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Well, it goes back to that very first thing that you said, which may have been the most powerful thing you said, or that your mom said. If you don't like the way it is, do something about it. Yeah, You know, I think uh, one of the biggest, you know, you talk about pet peeves, that that might be my number one. It's the very reason we do this podcast, because it's easy to point out what's wrong or what you don't like. But nobody wants to stand up and say what they're going to do or put in the work to make it better. Um, and we're just, you know, we're to the end of that. We see where that gets us.
1: You know, Brad, I learned a long time ago that you're here today and you're gone tomorrow. Like the book of Ecclesiastes says, you're a wave in the ocean. You're here today and gone tomorrow. I'm 63 years old. I started when I was 23, almost 24. And I look back, where did 40 years go? (laughs) Uh, You know, one of my favorite songs growing up was by Bob Seger, Like a Rock. You know, 20 years now, where they go. Yeah. You know, And I'm thinking 40 years now, where they go <laughs> and life comes at us so fast. So my, here's my six words. I live my life by have fun, play hard and stay focused. That simple. Enjoy every day. Cause today may be your last day. Who thought a pandemic would have come through Darty County and killed over 380 people as of now, you know, play hard, give it your best. I tell kids all the time, give it your best. And stay focused at everything you do because there's someone around the corner is trying to distract you and, and basically mess your life up. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, Sheriff, I think we'll end on that note. And and again, thank you so much for taking the time to come in to, to talk with me today. And again, thank you so much for all the work you put into this community all these years to try to make it to the wonderful place that it is.
1: You're welcome. And it's been a pleasure. I love it. Fantastic.